Alright, so everybody knows how VPN services and ExpressVPN can protect your privacy and security online, right? But did you know that there are some secret hidden benefits to using ExpressVPN, like unlocking movies and shows that are only available in other countries? So if you're like me, you probably enjoy watching shows on Netflix, for example. Well, with ExpressVPN, you can unlock the UK version of The Office or Parasite from South Korean Netflix. Over a hundred different countries. All you have to do is change your location and refresh Netflix or whatever. Hulu, BBC iPlayer, YouTube, you name it. In fact, when I set it up for myself, I was surprised at how easy it was. It just installs and then loads up and works. And it works on more than just PCs, phones, media consoles, smart TVs, and so much more. So if you want to get access to hundreds of new shows, use my link right now, expressvpn.com slash ringslore, and you can get an extra three months of ExpressVPN for free. That's expressvpn.com slash ringslore, expressvpn.com slash ringslore to learn more. Welcome to the Lord of the Rings Lorecast, the show that explores the background of Tolkien's amazing world from the very beginning. I'm sure you can hear that. That's the sound of coins. Gold coins. I'm sitting here in the remains of Nargothrond, the ruins of the city. And now that the dragon is gone, there's just this mass of wealth. It's like a mound of all the things that you would have acquired over centuries. If you were a elven lord, that is. The dragon piled everything into this chamber and was clearly nesting in it. And here, underneath me, is more wealth than anybody would ever know what to do with. There's a ridiculous amount of gold and silver and uh, gems, all sorts of things. Uh, heck, even the Noglamir. Do you remember the Noglamir? The, the necklace that the dwarves from Nagrod and Belagost made for Finrod? Do you remember this? Finrod brought with him a bunch of gems from Valinor and the friendship between Finrod and many different peoples, but specifically the dwarves in this case, led to the creation of this beautiful necklace with gems from, from the holy city. It is an object that is beyond priceless. And here it is, just sitting in the pile amidst all of these other coins and and trinkets. And it raises the question, what is the value of wealth? Really? What is valuable? And I think that this is a question that Tolkien raises in his writings on many occasions. What is the true nature of value? What things actually have value? What is the worth of all of this gold, of all of this wealth, if it doesn't go with you when you die? 
What is the value of any of this? If your relationships break down, if at the end of the day, you lose the people that you love, and that can happen in many different ways. That can happen in the case of Hurin and his family and losing the lives of the people that he cared about the most. And we've just gone through stories about Hurin and uh, we just learned that he was reunited with Morwin and then she passed. He lost his children. What is the worth of any of this if the people you love don't survive? And let's not even go that severe. What's the worth of any of this if the people that you love can't trust you or you can't trust them? What if it's not the individuals that die? What if it's the relationship that dies through distrust? And we don't even have to go that far. What if it's not just family members? What if it's not even friends and and the people that are close acquaintances with you? What if it's entire groups? What about elves and men or dwarves? Those relationships, when they work well, when they can trust each other, when they are on the same page, when they are founded in the kinds of The kind of love that Finrod would give even new people that he didn't know. Give them a chance. Welcome them in. When those kinds of relationships are built on trust, they build beautiful things, like the Noglamir. But when they are broken, they lead to all sorts of terrible, terrible consequences. And this is one of Morgoth's greatest wins against the free people of Middle-earth. Sure, sometimes there are conflicts, physical conflicts, battles, and sometimes Morgoth wins. But we've already seen on numerous occasions where he doesn't always prevail when it comes to even those kinds of conflicts, when it seems like the odds are absolutely against his adversaries. Sometimes he fails. But you know what he seems to succeed at the most? Is sowing distrust, is breaking relationships, is putting in those lies with the truth in a way that tears people apart. In this episode, things are only going to get worse before they get better. That's the trend here. The way that the beginning of the Silmarillion works with the birth of so many beautiful things. And yeah, there's there's tragedy and there's there's terrible stuff that happens at the beginning as well. But we get new things all the time. At this point in the story, there is a lot of the ending of stories. In today's episode, we're going to see the end of a few stories and how distrust and corruption, corruption of the information and the way that a character can view a situation can do harm. So hold on tight. Here we go. We're continuing the story of Hurin and the things that he's been doing now that he's out in the world and he is free. So after the death of Morwen, 
he decides to head toward Nargothrond. He follows the road from the crossing of Teeglin, where we left off. And as he's heading eastward, he sees Amon Rudd. Remember the location that Turin and his group were at the hill outside of Nargothrond, where Mim the Dwarf lived. And they lived for quite a while until tragedy struck. And he knew everything that had befallen there. Or at least he had seen through Morgoth's vision what happened there. And I'm going to put this out there. Remember, just because Morgoth gives you vision to something doesn't mean that you're looking through a crystal clear lens that isn't slanting that in some way. And sometimes Morgoth lets the truth come through, and sometimes he flavors it. He frames it in a way that would make it worse and isn't 100% true. This has been Turin's life, seeing the world through Morgoth's eyes, not knowing what he can trust. And so he comes to the banks of the Narog, crosses the wild river. Remember, the bridge is broken. This was the site of a great conflict against a dragon. He approaches the doors, which are broken, of Nargothrond, the great city. And he reaches the entryway, and he looks inside, and who is there? Not orcs, not elves, but Mim the Petty Dwarf. The text tells us that Mim crept within the ruined walls and he took possession of them and sat there fingering the gold and the gems, letting them run ever through his hands. And as Hurin comes to the door, Mim hears him and demands, Who is this? Who comes forth? And Hurin responds, He says, Who are you? that would hinder me from entering the house of Finrod Felagund. And Mim answers, I am Mim, and before the proud ones came from over the sea, dwarves delved the halls of Nulokizdin. I have been returned to take what is mine, for I am the last of my people. Mim feels that he has a claim to this land because his people were originally the ones who delved here years ago before before the Noldor even showed up. He thinks that he has some claim to this and maybe there's something about the fact that a dragon sat upon this treasure for a time because we've seen what that can do. But Hurin is in no mood to deal with a dwarf trying to claim the treasure of elves and this dwarf in particular because Hurin has seen Mim through Morgoth's vision. Hurin responds, then you shall enjoy your inheritance no longer for I am Hurin, son of Galdor, returned out of Angband and my son was Turin to Rumbar, whom you have not forgotten. And he it was that slew Glarung the dragon, who wasted these halls where you now sit. 
and not unknown is it to me by whom the dragon helm of Dorloman was betrayed. Hurin knew everything. Then Mim, in great fear, besought Hurin to take what he would, but to spare his life. But Hurin gave no heed to his prayer, and slew him there before the doors of Nargothrond. In this moment, Mim gets what's coming to him. He betrayed Hurin's son, and Hurin brought justice. A very cold, deadly justice, with no... With no uh, no judge, no jury. It was all just Hurin in this case. And Hurin then walks into the city and sees this mound of wealth. All of this gold, all of the gems, all the wealth of Nargothrond piled into one location. And we're told that he leaves immediately. He walks right back out with only one thing. He claims one thing and leaves the rest. Now, one of the cool things about this is that among the wealth here is not just gold and gems and silver. It's other things as well. There are other things that the elves have made that are valuable. In future books, well, past books, I guess. If you talk about the Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit, they came out before the Silmarillion. But in future stories, let's say in future stories, you will hear about objects that are found ages from now. And there are conversations about, for example, Gandalf's sword or Thorin's sword in the Hobbit, where they discover these weapons and there's a conversation about it. Oh, these are swords crafted by the elves of the first age from the city of, and they'll mention the city of Nargothrond or the city of Gondolin. How did those weapons just end up in the horde of a troll or some other creature? And it may have something to do with the fact that a wealth of treasure and things that were crafted by the elves were left behind out in the open for anybody to come by and claim. And those things could have wandered off who knows where and into the third age. So this is fun to think about. What other objects may actually have been in this hoard that aren't specified right here? And in the midst of all of that, all the wealth, all the beautiful things that the elves have ever made in Nargothrond, Hurin leaves with only one thing, and he sets out. So where does he decide to go next? He's kind of going through this path. Yeah, at this point, you can kind of tell. He's retreading some of the locations that Turin had been at and had gone to. And maybe he came here for the express purpose of finding this one thing. We don't really know. That isn't told to us. But the next place he goes is to Doriath. The text says, Now Hurin journeyed eastward, and he came to the mirrors of twilight above the falls of Sirion. And there he was taken by the elves that guarded the western marches of Doriath and brought before King Thingol in the thousand caves. Then Thingol was filled with wonder and grief when he looked at him and knew 
that grim and aged man for Hurin Thalion, the captain of Morgoth, and he greeted him fairly and showed him honor. Hurin made no answer to the king, but drew forth from beneath his cloak that one thing which he had taken with him out of Nargothrond. And that was no lesser treasure than the Noglamir, the necklace of the dwarves, that was made for Finrod Feligand years before by the craftsmen of Nigrod and Belagost, most famed of all their works in the Elder Days, and prized by Finrod while he lived above all the treasures of Nargothrond. And Hurin cast it at the feet of Thingol with wild and bitter words. Receive thou thy fee, he cried, for thy fair keeping of my children and my wife. For this is the Noglamir, whose name is known to many among elves and men. And I bring it to thee out of the darkness of Nargothrond, where Finrod thy kinsman left it behind him when he set forth with Baron, son of Berahir, to fulfill the errand of Thingol of Doriath. To say that Hurin is bitter here would be an understatement. Hurin has seen so much of what has unfurled. He knows that Baron and Luthien went on their journey and to their deaths, their first deaths, because of Thingol's attempt to trick Baron into going to claim the Silmaril. He also knows that at times Thingol had in his home as welcome guests all of the people that Hurin loved and could have protected them, but didn't. But remember the vision that is given to him by Morgoth, by Melkor, is slanted. It is not the full truth. Then Thingol looked upon the great treasure and knew it for the Noglamir, and well did he understand Hurin's intent. But being filled with pity, he restrained his wrath and endured Hurin's scorn. And at the last, Melian spoke and said, Hurin Thalion, Morgoth hath bewitched thee. And he that seeth through Morgoth's eyes, willing or unwilling, seeth all things crooked. Long was Turin, thy son, fostered in the halls of Menegroth, and shown love and honor as the son of the king. And it was not by the king's will, nor by mine, that he came never back to Doriath. And afterwards, thy wife and thy daughter were harbored here, with honor and good will. And we sought by all means that we might to dissuade Morwen from the road to Nargothrond. With the voice of Morgoth, thou dost now upbraid thy friends. Basically, hey, you need to see our side of the story here, buddy. We did everything we could. It is not our fault that they all decided to leave when we would give them safety and comfort and a place of honor in the king's hall. We offered that to all of them, and they all left on their own accord. And it's not your fault that you have a misunderstanding of what happened, because you've been manipulated by Morgoth this entire time. So, of course, you're going to see us as the enemy, when all we've done 
is try to be there for you when you couldn't be there for your own family. And it was at this moment that hearing these words from Melian, this darkness was removed. It says here, and hearing the words of Melian, Hurin stood moveless and he gazed long into the eyes of the queen. And that's key there. The staring into her eyes. That is the moment where she is able to shine light on the events and convince him of the truth. And it goes on and says, And there in Manigroth, defended still by the girdle of Melian from the darkness of the enemy, he read the truth of all that was done and tasted at last the fullness of woe that was measured for him by Morgoth Boglier. And he spoke no more of what was past, but stooping, lifted up the Noglamir from where it lay before Thingol's chair, and he gave it to him, saying, Receive now, Lord, the necklace of the dwarves, as a gift from one who has nothing, and as a memorial of Hurin of Dor Loman. For now my fate is fulfilled, and the purpose of Morgoth achieved. But I am his thrall no longer. So let me tell you a little story. You know that we get sponsors on these podcasts and Yuffie, who does these smart locks with video cameras in them, reached out and they sent me a smart door lock with a 2K camera, a doorbell and a finger reader, all the bells and whistles. And I was like, okay, cool. They sent it to me. I already have one on my back door. When I opened this up and installed it, I was like, why didn't I go with Yuffie to begin with? Because this is a step above the one that I've been using. The finger reader just works. The 2K camera is so clear. I can see when somebody's at the front door, if it's Amazon or if it's somebody trying to sell me something. It even has night vision and works in the dark. It makes me feel so much safer. Plus, my son can just put his finger on the door and just come right in when he gets home from school. He doesn't have to worry about losing keys and you don't even have to change the batteries in these because it's got like a 10,000 milliwatt hour battery that lasts for like four months. Go check these out today. Search for Eufy Video Lock, that's E-U-F-Y Video Lock, or visit eufyofficial.com slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door. Again, search Eufy Video Lock. I think you'll love it. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly, but then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. All right, this is the middle of the show. This is where we get to thank our new patrons for joining us and helping to support this project. And welcome to Joshua L. Robin H. Uh, let's see. Uh, this is a tough one. Amikamish. I hope I pronounced that correctly. 
Amakamish uh, B, we'll just go with that, and Joe F and Maddie R. Welcome to the Patreon. Thank you for for your support. I'm sorry if I mangled your names. Uh, we all know that I don't do pronunciations particularly well without having to research them first. But uh, thank you for being here. And a big shout out to all of our VIP patrons, Bo, Brad S, Brandy D, Chewbacca, David M, Drupal, Esoteric Rage, Jesse P, Capenna, Larry, Obi-Wan Kenobi, Patrick W, Sam B, Shannon L, Tyler M, and Wes P. Thank you for all of your support and to all 202. We broke 200 patrons, 202 patrons. Thank you for your support. If you are interested in hearing what you've been missing out on with the bonus episodes, and there are a lot of them at this point and uh, any of the other stuff that you get from joining us on the Patreon, like ad free episodes and episodes a day early and all of that stuff, go to patreon.com slash L O T R Lorecast. The link is in the show notes. It's really easy to look up. If you Google it, just look it up, go check it out. See if it's something you want to support. And if you, if you do, then I will very much appreciate it. Uh, let's get to the reviews. We've got some new ones here from, um, a number of you on Apple podcasts. Here we go. Let's start with this one. This one's from Mike S H in the United States. who writes accessible lore deep dives into lore, regardless of subject can be dense and dull. Your podcast makes Tolkien's world accessible. I first read Lord of the Rings when in high school and the Silmarillion in college and have reread and listened to them in audiobook and BBC radio format for many times. Finding your podcast has connected me back to that Tolkien and sci-fi loving kid hiding behind his football playing outward persona. I am so glad to be able to explore the world again and now share it with my own kids who wouldn't be shamed into hiding their love of fiction and imagination. Thanks, Mike. I'm so glad that you're sharing all of this with your children. That is awesome. And thank you for the review. This one comes from Violeth5 from Mexico. Hello, I'm waving to you from across the Gulf because I'm over here in Florida. I hope you can see that. Uh, (laughs) Thanks for your review. This this says, uh, while looking for silver, I found pure gold. I found this podcast on my search for some entertainment for my long commute to and from work, and I got hooked. This podcast has helped me understand and dive deep into Tolkien's amazing world. I'm currently giving The Hobbit a try and find myself rereading some paragraphs as English is not my first language. I find myself loving Tolkien's beautiful yet complex work. L-O-R Lorecast, L-O-T-R Lorecast has helped me love it even more. Well, I couldn't tell that you're, this isn't your first language because you wrote that wonderfully and thank you for all of that. And I'm so glad you're enjoying The Hobbit. And by the way, even if English is your first language, reading Tolkien's work is antiquated the the language is a little bit difficult so uh good luck with that and thank you so much i love i love hearing from people from other countries and i'm so glad that you're enjoying the show we've got two more this one's from s ridgeway in the u.s who writes mysteries uh explained before i found this podcast i have only watched the lord of the rings and hobbit trilogies i had no idea there was a book that was written by tolkien that explained the genesis of the elves this is so interesting i've learned so much and i'm very grateful that someone has taken the time to explain the mysteries of the Lord of the Rings in great detail. Well, you're very welcome, S. Ridgeway. I'm glad you're enjoying it. And then this one is from El Scacho from the United States. I thought he almost wrote El Scorcho, which is a Weezer song from like 25 years ago. But no, it's El Scacho. Uh, good job. You can tell he really lives the lore. I don't know if that means love, if that's supposed to be loves the lore or lives the lore. But I think I'm going to uh, start living the lore more and I'm going to see if I can convince my wife to turn our house into a hobbit hole. 
maybe that would be a th- I think no she's not going to go for that uh, it shows in the way he discusses the topics keep up the good work thank you El Scacho and everybody who's taken the time to leave a review uh, if you do leave a five star review on Apple Podcasts I will read it out on a future episode also you can rate it on Spotify and other platforms but there's a big update to Spotify so check your phones it's rolling out it's been rolling out I think it's probably out to everybody you will notice on the most recent episodes it says things like what did you think about this episode and you can leave a comment like you can on a YouTube video so go drop me a, a comment tell me something something you liked about the episode and I'll I'll be able to read them I'm not going to read them all out on the show because that would just be way too many things to read out but uh, I'll see them and other people will see them and they will be extremely helpful and they'll give me some warm fuzzies which is super nice of you to do so thank you for that all right let's move on with the rest of the show The end of Hurin's story is right here. This is the end. It says, Then he turned away and passed out from the thousand caves, and all that saw him fell back before his face. They they, they noticed that like he was a serious dude, and he was not going to take anything from them. And none sought to withstand his going, nor did any know whither he went. But it is said that Hurin would not live thereafter, being bereft of all purpose and desire, and cast himself at last into the western sea, and so ended the mightiest of the warriors of mortal men. This is the end of Hurin's story. Hurin, who had such a great start, well, a tragic start, but uh, after his father was killed by the orcs, he showed that he was a leader among men. He was a powerful warrior. And in this passage, it says directly here that he was the mightiest of the warriors of mortal men, which is high praise, especially because we've seen what his son was able to do. His son, who had so much more time to fight against the enemy, Turin on numerous occasions, in numerous locations, in so many different ways, every single time Turin took up the black sword or his bow or whatever and sought out the enemy, he came back triumphant, even though he was cursed. And even though terrible things happened and sometimes he ended up slaying the wrong people and sometimes he accidentally did harm instead of good his intentions were were good usually and amidst all of that we see how strong a warrior Turin was and here in this passage we are told that Hurin was the most powerful warrior among men now how does that make sense and if we think back to the things that Hurin had accomplished fighting off the enemies from his own land, serving in the Narniath Arnoidiad, and fighting in that battle to the point where he was the lone one alive and captured by Morgoth. It shows that he truly was a great warrior. And imagine if he hadn't been captured. The good that Hurin and his family could have done 
What would leaders like this over the people of Dorloman, if they had not been conquered, been able to do? Imagine Hurin and Turin side by side with soldiers that they had trained, with their family healthy, with their minds not warped and manipulated by the enemy. What could they have done? What good could that kingdom of men been against the forces of evil had things not happened the way they did? But that's the way things went. And just to remind you here, before we head out at the end of the show, the thing that Hurin did that made him known as the greatest of the warriors of men is in that moment at the end of the Narniath Arnoidiad where he is holding out. Everybody's being overrun by the orcs. He tells Turgen to leave, to get out of there, and he holds the ranks behind Turgen as Turgen leaves, and Hur is killed. Hur is shot in the eye with an arrow. Do you remember all of this? And by himself, Hurin and his men are now facing down the might of the forces of Morgoth, and all of the other men die. And we are told that Hurin, by himself, hews with his axe 70 times has killed 70 orcs in order to hold back the forces creates a mound of bodies and stands on top of them fending off the onslaught this is the greatest warrior among men and there are great warriors turin is a great warrior aragorn is a great warrior among men there are many but of all of them, Hurin is the greatest. And with his son, one of the most tragic, one of the most tragic stories. And this is where Hurin's story ends. Next week, we will continue with some more tragedy. So be ready for that. It's coming. But thank you for tuning in. And thank you for joining me for these stories. Have a wonderful week and I'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Lord of the Rings Lorecast. If you'd like to learn more about other fantasy worlds, check out my other podcasts, the Elder Scrolls Lorecast, the Witcher Lorecast, and more at robotsradio.net. If you'd like to reach out, I'd love to hear from you. Send me a note on Twitter at robots underscore radio or join our amazing community on the Robots Radio Discord. There are links in the show notes or just search Robots Radio Discord or find the link on robotsradio.net. I'll see you next time.